This is Alan Cozen, the author of Got That Something, How the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand Changed Everything. And you're listening to Fab Four Free For All, brackets, the brackets. And welcome to Fab Four Free For All. I am your moderator for today's episode. Uh, Mitch Axelrod. That's not the episode. I'm just the moderator. <laughs> nice. And, yeah, right. Exactly. Well, maybe episode. not so nice. People right. maybe want you to moderate. Uh, but right. Joining me, as they always do, unfortunately, are... Tony Chiguardo. Hey, do these sound unfortunately? I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I do all the good things we do for I know. you. you what know, do you please. do for me? Yeah. We complete you. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello, wow. but I was hoping you'd have me at goodbye. <laughs> um, can you say who you are? Oh, I'm Rob Leonard. Yeah, he's talking, but no one even, you know, after all this time, right. nobody cares. Oh, um, that, that hurt me. That hurt I, me. Well, see, um, I guess I'm not going to tweet you anymore. Do I, have, do I have to talk about Beatle Tunes and say what a great book it is? No, please don't. Do I have to say, you know, it's one of the best books on the Beatle Fine, cartoons? Fine, you complete me. Okay, thank you. My goodness. Thank okay. you. Well, speaking about completion, your life won't be complete without uh, something we're going to talk about today. On the phone, we are privileged to have Michael Epstein. Michael, say hi to the Fab Four free-for-all people. Hello, everybody. Privileged is maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but I appreciate the sentiment. No, we are are actually privileged, and and we should say that we met Michael about three years ago. We were fortunate enough to moderate a panel when Lennon NYC came out, and Michael, uh, can you tell everybody your affiliation with Lennon NYC? I was the director of that little project. A little project? Wow, I don't think it was a little, little project. That's, uh, that's being modest. <laughs> that's humility. Yeah, that was actually... Well, uh, you know, when you're sort of, you know, when you grow up just loving the Beatles and loving John sort of beyond all rational human experience, and then you get a chance to work on a project like that, you feel very small. So, Believe me, it was a big project, and it was a really, really special project. We all enjoyed it. We had a great time at the Paley Center that evening, and, you know, we saw that film... And obviously, because of that film, you, you must have established a trust with Yoko Ono. Yes. When we started making that film, I had, I had never had any connection or communication with Yoko. But Susan Lacey, who was at the time the executive producer of American Masters, I pitched her the idea as John, sort of as an immigrant, as a New Yorker, to tie to his 70th birthday as a celebration. And she and I approached Yoko, and uh, it, was, it was great. It was a, it was a lovely lovely journey with Yoko. And because of that affiliation, we have you today to talk about something completely different, but something I think that's very, very interesting to all the fans. Uh, You're actually, well, I should say, are you the developer of this? Well, I'm going to say what it is. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, right. can't write a word of code. Okay, good. (laughs) I don't know what I am with this thing. Well, we are going to say, first first of all, Uh, we should say that there there is a, a new app it's for iPhone, iPad, and iTouch, and hopefully in the future, some Android stuff, but we'll talk about that. But the yeah. app is called the John Lennon Bermuda app. Bermuda Tapes. John um, Lennon sorry. Bermuda Tapes. Bermuda yeah, Tapes. Right. It's an app. And if you want to know more about it, obviously you can buy it, but when we'll get into that. But you, it's also, the URL for the website is LennonBermudaTapes.com. And why don't we talk about the can inception? Can I add one thing, Mitch? Yeah, sure. Very important is that uh, because of... Yoko's generosity and the generosity of our producer, 100% of the net proceeds. So Apple takes their cut, uh, as they do with everything that's yep. in the App Store. 
but all of the money, all of it, goes to a remarkable organization called Why Hunger. Yeah. And there, imagine there's no hunger campaign. And, right. We were going to um, get into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I just, I know everybody's like, oh, more spend, but this is something where you get, I think, a really cool uh, experience. But you know that all the money is going to, to address poverty and hunger around the world. And Michael, on that note, I want to add, too, that those of our listeners of Fab Four Free For All, who are friends of ours, also know how close we were to our dear friend Pete Fornatel. Yes. And, of course, Pete and Bill Ayers and uh, the late Harry Chapin and Sue Leventhal and all the great people at Why Hunger. It is truly a fantastic organization, and... Uh, it just makes me smile from ear to ear knowing that this really wonderful new app and what it is and where it's kind of, I think, kind of the, the future in a way of where many things in the entertainment industry are going to go. Uh, it makes me smile that it's directly That's connected to Why Hunger. That's yeah. what that was. Pete's smiling down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and if exactly. you want to donate directly to Why Hunger, it's, it's actually the letter Y, hunger.org. Right. Uh, but you can find a donation button on the LennonBermudaTapes.com. Yes. And as Michael has just said, 100% of the net proceeds go to benefit Why Hunger. And I believe the app is, uh, in, in America, it's $4.99. Yes, that's um, right. I don't know how that translates around the, the globe, but it yeah, is I available figured. everywhere. And we should get into this app because... Well, why don't you tell an overview of what the app is? Well, and how it came to be also, yeah, too, we, Michael. We're gonna get how, yeah, how this all uh, came to happen. Okay, so as you know, I did Lennon NYC and sort of put that on the shelf. And at the time, I had a growing interest in tablets and smartphones and the problems of the music industry. And, and as a music fan, you know, my own sense of, dissatisfaction with mp3s and i don't mean sonically i just meant as an experience you know where you used to i mean i remember the day i bought the white album and mm -hmm. put it on and there were these great four photo inserts and the poster and and i remember you growing up i always used to be upset when i would buy a david bowie album because rca would have just the worst packaging <laughs> yep that thin little like they couldn't even afford like a paper sleeve it was that awful and, and rca had cheap pressings too terrible terrible you could um, flap them in the wind yes yeah. yes right and you know you cared a great deal about your collection and you felt connected to it and 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 because of that i thought you felt connected to the artist and that mp3s had somehow severed the emotional connection that we all grew up with and um, DVDs to, for a little bit because you got a smaller version and, and it wasn't as personal as when you had a 12-inch album and yeah. the inserts and, and the lyrics and such. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, uh, I have a huge iTunes library, but that interface just kills me. It just It's like a database program, and yeah. uh, Spotify is even worse. I yeah. think. So I'd been kicking this idea around, and then about a year and a half ago, uh, I was approached by a gentleman named Andrew Banks, who is just a gem of a guy, a real, literally a mensch. And uh, he said, you know, I want to do something to commemorate John here in Bermuda. Uh, there was a concert that was taking place at the time. I demurred from doing a concert film, but, but he said, well, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, how about trying to make an interactive record album for the iPad? Sure. And he said, sounds like a great idea. And I went down to visit him with 
that in mind and with a packet from Why Hunger, saying whatever we do, it has to go to benefit Why Hunger and imagine there's no hunger. And Andrew was instantly on board, thought it was a fantastic idea. And then I went back to Yoko and said, what do you think? And, and, and we were off to the races. And I hesitate to call it an app because, you know, when you think of app, you think, oh, Angry Birds or... Um, <laughs> I do. Right. <laughs> yeah, your kids yeah, love it. You yeah. think of something sort of with like a, a very specific means yeah. to an end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, utility. You know, Instagram right. or Seamless or, you know, whatever it is. And we have to call it an app for lack of a better word, but I feel much more that it's an interactive album, that it mixes storytelling, you know, documentary storytelling with music, with real immersion. I mean, these are gross buzzwords that sort of, you know, are on all the tech blogs. But, yeah. but hopefully you can really lose yourself in this in a way and that it is unlike a, an LP, but something that fits the technology today and that, um, that gives music fans, in this particular instance, John Lennon fans, you know, a way to really emotionally connect with the artists or the band you love and that the music is richer and deeper for the things that you get to do here. Well, you know, it's funny because I was playing around with the app last night, as a matter of fact, and what I love about it, and we'll get into the specifics of the app, but you say the, the technology of today, which we have, but when you listen to some of the music, it's cassettes, and right. you can actually, on your iPad, <laughs> you hit the play button, and you see the cassette reels going. So for us older people who remember what cassettes were, it's still technology of today, but with a familiarity of where we were. And also, John recorded on those cassettes. Yeah. Right. So it, it was really fun because even if you push fast forward, you actually hear <laughs> like it's going fast forward just like you would on a cassette player. So it's definitely very, very unique. Uh, well, we wanted to give people that kind of interface that connected them. You know, if you just hit play and it streams, it's just kind of not there. It's right. just, it doesn't feel real. It's a commodity. Yeah. And you don't really care where it comes from or what it sounds like. And, you know, for us, as you say, you know, that was the interface was just because it was John. He was, as we'll get into, when he was in Bermuda and the muse finally hit after, I think, a lot of false starts. I mean, I think he was somewhat disingenuous when he went out to promote Double Fantasy that he hadn't touched his guitar in five years. Yeah. Right. But the muse really hit hard in Bermuda uh, for, I think, two reasons. You know, he bought two boomboxes, and as as we all know, you know, he loved double tracking since he was a teenager and listened to Elvis, and practically demanded that everything in the studio was double tracked. So he he double tracked himself with two boomboxes. He bought two boomboxes at a store in Bermuda, or had his assistant Fred Seaman do it, yeah. and you know would record one track and 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 you know pots and pans and his guitar and then take that boombox and sort of turn it with its speakers out to the next boombox with its, its, its internal microphone and play along with himself. And you have these, I think, really special cassettes that Yoko donated and let us use. And you, you get to hear process in a way that, that I think is kind of fun. Oh, absolutely. And if I could add to Michael, just it's a little speculative here, but no. John with his whole back to mono campaign in 1975 and yeah. whatnot, I think well, that he in, hated the red album and the white album right, a whole lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think in 2013, 
had he still been with us, John would have still wanted to be an analog kind of guy. Yeah. So the idea of the cassettes and the things like that, it really does kind of, to me, it fits and feels part of of John's whole, it just makes sense. It yeah, really no, that's does. really nice to hear. One of the things specifically to that that we did was, we, we'll talk a bit about it. So there are two paths you can take. There's a play side, which is all the interactive kind of throwing your iPad or on your iPhone around, but there's the listen side, and we gave you two cassettes initially you can put into your cassette deck, which is all the music, almost like it's a record album, and right. then the story. But because of John, and because John wasn't just a, a mono guy, he was a 45 single guy. I mean, oh, yeah. his whole life, he said, you know, he's not, he was not really an LP guy. We took out all of the songs individually, so you could almost treat them like cassette singles right. yeah. uh, and put them in straight. And that was because I knew, That's you know, it's also because it was a, back in the day, it was really hard to find out where you wanted to be on a cassette tape. What, to find the right spot. I love the fact also that you added Yoko's songs too. Yeah. Because yeah. That, she was a very big part of why John was doing this new music. Well, that gets to the story. And I think that, you know, it is it, the call and response that they had. Uh, so John... I don't know how much people... Should we tell the story? Should we... Well, we please tell... Do. Yeah, let's, let's tell some of the story. I mean, don't give it away too much because, you know, you, I want people to really... Yeah. Who haven't been immersed in it prior, I want them to really sit and enjoy this app yeah. without yeah. us giving too much away. Give it away. Give it away. Oh, well, thank yeah. you, Red, uh, <laughs> chili, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's clearly a story John told and that had been in the biographies and, sure. and whatnot. So it's not unknown. But right. I think for a lot of... Lennon fans, and I'm always surprised how little known that this chapter of John's life is. And I think, in some measure, because he was taken from us so quickly after Double Fantasy was released, that it colored the whole last chapter, his death. And um, it's hard, actually, I think, for a lot of people to listen to Double Fantasy and not think of his murder. And so this chapter at sea was not really that well reported at the time. Right. So in the summer of 80, John, early summer, was still sort of feeling a bit of writer's block. Yoko's directionologist had, had suggested that they travel, that he travels southeast. I think he went to South Africa that May. Uh, and he had taken up sailing on Long Island Sound with a young man named Tyler Coney's, uh, where he had bought his boat, a Deo sailor, out in Huntington, Long Island, not mm -hmm. too far from you guys. Not at all. And Yoko said, you know what, if you're going to sail, really sail and go out there. And so they looked at a map, and there's not a whole lot that's southeast from New York, but there's Bermuda. And Tyler found a boat called the Megan Jay out of Newport, Rhode Island, and he got his two cousins to be the crew, along with John and the captain of the boat, Hank Halstead. And in early June of 1980, they set off for Bermuda and had a really great first day of sailing, and that about the second day or thereabouts, a really bad Atlantic storm hit them very unexpectedly. And Tyler and his two cousins became very violently seasick and were in, almost immediately incapacitated by the storm wow. and by their seasickness. And that left just Captain Hank by himself, um, because John... I mean, he was, he, he wasn't even, he was barely a day sailor at that point. I mean, he understood some of the basics of wind shifts and direction from Long Island Sound, but wholly unprepared to take a larger boat. This was about a 40-foot sloop 
uh, in the middle of a very violent storm. So you had about 60 to 70 mile an hour sustained winds. I think the gusts were about 80 miles an hour. And about, you know, depending on who you listen to, but according to Tyler, who was there, about 20 or 25 foot waves. Wow. The perfect um, storm. Yeah. Which is, which is, and as they described it to me, it's like if you put a cork in a bottle and you just shook the bottle up, uh, wow. that's how it felt. There's wow. no up or down. There's no left or right. You're just constantly. Uh, and when Tyler lost it, he and John, they had shifts where, you know, Tyler and John were one watch for three hours, and then Hank was a watch for three hours, and Tyler's cousins, Kevin and Ellen, were a watch for three hours. And Kevin and Ellen came in and were, were sick and basically gone. And John and Tyler were about to go out for their watch, and they were about to put their fall weather gear on. And we have a picture of this, which is amazing to me, in the app. That, to my mind, that's a picture that nobody's ever seen no. anywhere yeah. before. I don't think there's been any no. pictures ever released from this time. Well, no, some, no, not maybe, that I'm aware of. Yeah. But maybe Tyler said, you know, to put their fall weather gear on, they had to lay on the floor. Um, no stability. Yeah. Stood up at all. They were whacked hard against the side of the boat, Phew. and Tyler never made it out. So Hank was in charge of of the boat. And he was the only man left. And after about thirty hours, uh, without the storm abating at all, he just he lost it. He was exhausted. He was it was dangerous at that point, and he was just left with John. So he called John up and said, "Come, you know, he's he put it, you know, come here, big boy." And um, John was mortified, but he was put in charge of the Meg and Jay, and and Captain Hank went down to the berth and went to sleep and left John Lennon tied to the Meg and Jay so he wouldn't get blown out to sea. Jesus. And John, you know, as as he described it to me, he he gave him a lesson, a sailing lesson, more or less in what not to do. It was not how to sail through a storm. It was, if you do these two things, you're going to kill us. (laughs) <laughs> don't do them right and john was you know as he put it you know, you're not leaving me here by myself but he just fell into it he fell into phase hank said he was like a very sane madman right. wow. <laughs> well you could i you would can picture that yeah. yeah you can understand that I, yeah i, I remember screaming and yeah. hollering at the storm and singing Sea shanties that he had learned as a child in Liverpool that I don't know that if he had ever sung since, maybe on the stage in Hamburg a couple times with Paul, but he just went at the storm and, and had a real epiphany, a real sense of accomplishment, a real sense that he, he was capable alone. And he described it like being on stage at Shea Stadium, wow. interestingly enough. Interesting. That, wow. you know, you have no choice but to perform. Like, right. there you are, everybody's screaming at you, and, um, and I thought people, it was interesting. A lot of people said that for Shea Stadium, I think even the other Beatles said John just lost it. You know, I yeah. mean, I know what they meant. They didn't mean he was actually going insane, but John lost it. So I can see where that would come in again uh, in a situation that you've just described. You know, John would lose it. He, you know, the only way to do it is to actually, you know, Mock combat. show. Yeah. Right? Exactly. I mean, it was mock show, uh, and he just went for it. It's, um you know, and as he put it, he he was at one with the cosmos. That's how he described. I it. I, rem- I remember him talking about this and reading about this in the Playboy interviews. And there was right. a just from reading it, you can tell this was a major thing that happened to him, just because he was thrown in in this sh- 
controlling the, the ship, storm, so to speak. Yeah, and you know that wasn't what happened to John Lennon. John Lennon always had right. other people do things for him, and I think this was an important part of his life that he only mentioned in the Playboy interview. He didn't mention any other interviews in nineteen eighty. Right, David Sheff is the only David to give David a shout out here. Right. David was the only one who who he talked to about it, and uh, it's a great interview. It's a really great interview, and uh, you know I think that's right. I think it also somehow was a kind of capstone to that period where he was doing a lot of things for himself, mm. um, where he had retreated from public view, but also from, you know, the handlers. Right. And this was, I think, like the moment of like sort of baking bread times a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Were, right? right. And it really made a huge difference to him. He got to Bermuda and, and Hank said he, he seemed like a different person getting off the boat than he was when he got on. And a strange add, too, when it comes to John's personal history, you know, it's that idea, too, that he came from a line of people who had gone yeah. to sea, you know, in his, in his family, which is a strange connection his, back his to his dad, sure, yeah. you know, and, and that must have been unusual for him. I was going to joke and say, also from all the years of, of tripping, you know, the boat going all kinds of different directions, <laughs> that must have just been real easy to deal with in some ways. You know, just kind of probably said, I've been there before. Been there before. Right. Well, somebody asked, somebody, Tyler said, why didn't you get seasick? And he was like, look, if you've done what I've done. You know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. Uh, Michael, you were talking about the cassettes as part of the app. Are, are they the actual cassettes that John recorded on, or are they just regular cassettes? Simulated, yeah. Well, they're simulated. I, I want to say also, I'd like to tell you guys, you asked if I was the developer. I'm most decidedly not, but I'm also not the animator or the person who created a lot of the look of it. That was a, a great group of people at a production company called Eyeball. Mark Thompson, who is my co-director, um, I think designed the cassettes. I know he did a lot of the design work. Marin Morstead, who did this beautiful 2D and some of the, the animation looks beautiful. And then uh, Design.io uh, designed the, uh, the cassette interface and a lot of the gameplay. And that is one of the few geniuses I think I've ever met in my life, a guy named Theo Watson at Design.io. So I just, if I can, uh, I don't want people listening thinking that I'm in any way a no. creative force behind this app because I'm just a bystander because these guys were just amazing, everybody. And so what we got was all of these demo cassettes. And, you know, it was an evolution with Yoko about what would be right, because she didn't want to be perceived as scraping the bottom of the barrel and, you know, putting things out there that I'm sure all of us Beatle fans, there's practically... There's no such point, thing as scraping nothing, the bottom as Beatle fans. Yeah, there's nothing that we wouldn't want to hear. But, right. um, you know, she didn't want to do a, a dust data dump for everybody. She wanted to be more thoughtful. And so we talked a little bit about Lennon NYC and about how we took the progression of Make Love Not War, which was, I think, John was playing around with that around the time of Let It Be and how it became Mind Games. And we said, let's do this something of the same thing here. So for a lot of the songs like Woman and Starting Over and Watching the Wheels, you'll hear progression and you'll hear either John talking about it or Jack Douglas. Uh, who was the producer of Double Fantasy. And so we took a lot of different demos. And I think some of it's fun. I mean, you know, the references to Captain and to Neil. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, you can hear his humor all over it. Uh, and then for fans, we, we took two complete demos from John and two complete demos from Yoko because 
That's how they wrote Double Fantasy. You know, he was in Bermuda. Yoko stayed in New York at the Dakota. Sean was flown down with his nanny and with John's assistant, Fred Seaman, to Bermuda. And when the muse hit, really after he went to the 40 Thieves disco and he heard Rock Lobster by the B-52s for the first time and heard the new wave and how they had been influenced by Yoko. And I think that's the other piece of this story, you know, that there's the confidence that comes from the boat trip, but the sense that things had changed in pop music and and that a lot of the vitriol that he and Yoko felt that they had gotten, especially in the early 70s, was gone, that they were ready, as he put it, for us. He called her up and he started to play songs over the phone, sometimes over with the cassette, sometimes he would do it live, and then she would listen and Yoko would go and write a song herself and record it and play it for John. And that call and response, that back and forth, is how they wrote Double Fantasy and, and, and very much why Jack, when they put the album together, put the album in that, together in that way. So we got uh, Kiss, 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 <laughs> which I love on Double Fantasy. It's one Me of my too. faves. Yep. And uh, Hard Times Are Over, which is just so sweet. She actually makes a little mistake in the demo and you know, laughs a bit and asks if she can start over. So it really captured the Yoko that I know, and we wanted to put that in there, too. You know, you mentioned the 40 Thieves Disco, and when you go into, you can, in the app, and again, I'm saying app. <clears throat> yeah, I know. But, There's nothing up to, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, but when you, when you go to the disco, what I love about this is that you've got Kate Pearson of the B-52s actually talking about this, and then about Rock Lobster, and then you you have a little bit of Rock Lobster playing to the part Cindy, where, right, where Cindy sounds like Yoko. And then you also have Yoko song playing, and it's the Apple record going around on a record player right. where Yoko sounds like that as well. So it's really cool because not only are you you know having John talk about it because you hear that, and then you, you hear Kate. And then you actually hear the two pieces, so and it's a yeah. full presentation. You're finally hearing that direct situation of kind of Yoko getting her due. But in a full environment, you're not getting just yeah. pieces of it. You can flip, And you're you not slide. just hearing it talked about. I mean, no. we'd, be, we'd always heard John talk about that that right. incident and and going to Yoko and saying but when they're you're ready for us when now. you see, yeah but when you see it like this and it all comes together and, and hear it and hear it with a slide of a finger yeah it's just fantastic well that's nice too yeah yeah and there's like little secrets in that if you go back when you're in the disco and you're in that section pop the bubbles see what happens oh see uh, Easter eggs there's, there's Easter all these little hints there's these little sort of Easter eggs all over the app <laughs> well, like that I was going to ask you about that Michael um, I'm not an app guy so I he still has a flip phone I, I still have a flip phone <laughs> And I'm wondering, is, is this he still the rotary is dial this, phone? Is like, this presentation right. <laughs> something that could be stretched out onto a DVD? Uh, the way there are certain th- no, programming things you can have in a DVD, you know, different angles and stuff like that. Is is this something that could be switched out into a DVD for the less uh, uh, challenge, so to speak? Well, not the, the more challenge. The more challenge. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, the two tin cans and a piece of string, folks. Right? Yeah, uh, not that bad. <laughs> I, I, I'll, let me let me just tell you something. You know, a luddite used to be, you know, eight track guy, cassette guy. Now a Luddite's a person who has a CD. Right. So, yeah. Well, let me say a couple of things about this, because I think it's a very important point, and I, people have asked us a bit about the Android question, too. First of all, the nice thing about this is that it's in the App Store, and it's going to be there for a very long time. 
So unlike a movie where you, um, at least from a filmmaker's point of view, you know, you, it's on public television or it's on VH1, or, um, and then you've got to go buy something or find it or stream it or whatever. This is, sits there on in the shelf. And so I feel that in the next five years or so, even the holdouts, much like a laptop once upon a time, was not something that every household had. I think everybody will have a smartphone or some kind of a tablet. And one of the things that you can do in the app, and it's really important for me on the listen side, is if you have a streaming device, whether it's a Bluetooth speaker or like an Airport Express, which I have connected to my stereo, you can hit the button. It'll show up when the devices are connected, and you can play it through your stereo. Wow. That's cool. You have this thing where you can multitask. You can put the cassettes in, you can listen to the music, and then you touch the corner, and then you go to these pictures, which we have, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, but Tyler Coney's gave us these photographs that Ellen took on the boat, and you can see John in his fall weather gear, and you can see them. I mean, it's amazing pictures. Oh, yeah. Michael, I got a question concerning Lennon NYC. How would that be different if if that was done as an app? Well, I think it'd be very different, and I think that's one of the things here that's exciting to me. And, what, and part of the answer to your question with the DVD is, is it was it's designed differently, you know. So you have the gyroscope, and you you know. So when you're out on the play side, it's very in, it's intriguing to me. I have a, a nine year old daughter who, of course, I've you know she loves John, she loves the Beatles, she likes. Hey Bulldog and All Together Now are her favorite songs, but I gave her the app and, and her favorite part of it is the journey because she picks up the iPad and it works with the gyroscope and the accelerometer and you literally move the app and the iPad and the more you move it, the more the boat moves and it goes from a 2D view to a 3D view and you're in the storm and you can lift your arms up and see the constellations that John saw when they were navigating by the stars and wow. all of those things. Oh, yeah. So she, you know, almost want to chain the iPad to her wrist when she uses it. She's so active. That's and cool. I, it's great. And I give it to my wife, you know, who's like me, an ancient person, and <laughs> she treats it like it's a TV. Doesn't move it at all. And right. it just sort of sits there flat. And I was like, oh, no, you can do it. No, it's, you, know, you know, you can move it around. No, no, I'm fine. And so we wanted it to work for both people. I think... You know, it wouldn't really work as a DVD. It really, Theo and Mark and I really wanted you to to touch and to feel and to move so that you can get emotionally connected to John and the story, that you're not just a passive viewer. Right. And that connects you, I think, in ways that even a good film doesn't. I think good films do different things. And, you know non-Beatle question, I mean, as a director, the thing for me was that I, I don't feel that apps, by and large, storytelling at least, has been uh, fairly well realized. You know, I think we're still at a phase where we're just kind of enamored with the technology. So it's, I think it's akin to like the Lumiere brothers when they invented film and people screamed when a train would come into the station that they thought it was the train was really going to hit them. <laughs> And that's the fascination just with the tech. But if that's all movies ever were, you know, oh, here's somebody on a boat and here's some train coming in, you know, you would never feel an emotional connection. It's the music, it's the dialogue, it's the cutting, it's moving the camera. 
Um, it's the immersion that comes with the whole language of film now that apps don't have. And so this is, I think, in many ways the first time where we're trying to create a new language for interactive storytelling. And the thing for me, Michael, is that even if one was not a Lennon fan, or I'm seeing it as I love the new technology, but to me it has to have a utilitarian purpose in a way. And that's what I'm really digging about this. It's almost like you've kind of taken the linear aspect out of a documentarian type of presentation. It's now as, as linear and as, as the user wants it to be. The interactivity can take them anywhere they want at the point in the story or can highlight any aspect of, quote, the story uh, in their own way. And it's not just picking extras on a DVD. You've made it so that it is a flowing uh, and right. very fun process. And I, I looked, I just had a big smile on when I finally kind of said, yeah, you know what, let me check this out and see what's going on. Uh, to me, I'm delighted that it's a Lenin-related project and a Why Hunger-related project and something that you've done that is really, this is wonderfully a look into where it's all going to go, I think. Sort of groundbreaking, yeah. It is well, groundbreaking. But as, also, as my grandmother would say, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Michael, as a director, uh, you know you make points the way you present stuff, but on an app, the direction can go in different areas mm -hmm. that maybe people don't catch up on or they just stay the same area. As a person who directs and creates stuff like this, where does the lines get drawn to make sure that people see what you want to see. Well, you know, sometimes you, it's a balance. You know, you want to be in control, but you want to cede some control to the user so that they feel connected. So what's interesting to me is, is that on the play side, take um, the disco, which Mark Thompson designed, and it's, it's gorgeous. And, you know, you do all these fun things. But it was very hard for us to figure out how to manage scanning over to the left and hearing Keith and Fred and Kate talk about Rock Lobster and John. And we just couldn't let them talk as long as we thought. So, or in the journey, you know, it's about seven minutes to get from Newport to Bermuda through the storm. And any more than that, we started to feel like the thing's starting to lag a little bit. So, you know, we're telling, we're cutting that story. You know, I did the interviews with Captain Hank and with Tyler, and we took whatever we could of John and edited together. So we have some train tracks that you have to take. But if you put the cassette in that says the story on the listen side, that's a 30-minute cassette. There's a lot more there than we felt could fit on the play side. So that's one option. Then the other option is I give you the interviews with Captain Hank. I give you the interviews with Kate Pearson to just put in the cassette and listen to me talk to them. Those are edited slightly, but, but not that much. So there are sort of three opportunities for you to just fall into this. You know, here's the unedited interview. Here is a longer listen, almost like a podcast of this story. Uh, and here's an interactive side. And, and that's the balance. I mean, it took forever for us. Um, as we were playing around, and as Theo and his team at Design.io were trying to program the right mix. And we haven't even talked about HeartPlay, which is, I think, one of the great interactive pieces with the little dots and everything, which was very much predicated. Marin 
saw a lot of what Yoko had been doing recently with her 100 Acorns right. uh, artwork. Yeah. And sort of yeah. played with that. And then Theo said, oh, well, what if we did this? And you, I don't know if you guys, when you do that, when the screen goes blank, you should still put your finger through it because your finger will, the, what John's saying and what John's singing will magically appear only if you put your finger down and scan it across the wow. blank screen. Oh, see? All of the stuff that you, you need to hear, uh, I mean, you probably find it, but I think people need to hear this. Yeah. So then now, yeah. instead of having a yeah. seven-minute app, or you know what I mean, more than that, right. but now they, they can go back. They, you sit yep. there and go back and be like, wow, I, I just missed two and a half hours worth of stuff and little <laughs> Easter eggs. And, and, and I wanted to just ask, you know, Yoko's involvement, and first of all, there's, there's a, a cool thing where you can create illustrations and... I mean, it's just much more than just what people might see when they go to the right. app store and, and look at the, the explanation of excerpts of demo tapes recorded. We're, yeah, we're, gonna, we're making a little video right now that we're going to release, uh, hopefully this week. Oh, cool. Show well, we, yeah, we need it. to know about that so we can put it up there with it. But yeah, we'll is, link that on the website. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. but the, the Yoko's involvement, I mean, there's, there's handwritten lyric sheets, there's photos, and there's also, I know you mentioned the demos, and a lot of them we've heard before through the... Dutch imports, as we like to say on this show. Right. <laughs> but there's one that probably has never been heard, right? Well, I think there are three. There's one, John, that, I, you know, I, I defer to you guys, because you're the real experts, that I, I had never heard, which was the version that we have of Stepping Out. Hmm. I had combed through all, as you say, the Dutch imports, <laughs> and I didn't, had never heard. I'd heard Stepping Out, and obviously I'd heard uh, Stepping Out from the Double Fantasy Sessions, that happened like a month later. That's the other thing, which is the progression of time here is shocking. The boat trip is June 6th through 11th of 1980. He gets there, he settles in. Around the middle of June, he starts writing. He comes back to New York. Jack Douglas gets the cassettes while he's still in Bermuda. Starts rehearsing with Flick and and Andy Newmark and and Tony Tony Levin and a bunch of other great folks that doesn't tell them that it's a John Lennon album <laughs> you know right. his songs. but there hits the hit factory in early August I mean you know two months after he he sails from Newport they're recording double fantasy and the album comes out in December well uh, actually November. November November well, no, no, November. November well starting yeah. over came out in right so, but yeah. I mean think about that nobody does it that fast anymore no nobody. nobody no no and it was because they were trying to hit a Christmas release right sure. right so you know, there's all of these, I think, unexpected things throughout that uh, just allow the Lennon fan, even if you know the story, to experience it in a way that's different. And, and as you guys have alluded to, you know, I really do hope that this is a model for artists who care about their fans and who like want to make record albums again. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I love that iTunes has reestablished the singles. You know, because we lost that for a while. We didn't yeah. have singles anymore. And, you know, if I think about some of my favorite artists, I'm always like Otis Redding. You know, there's a guy who never released an LP of any consequence while he was alive. He was a singles. Right, guy. right. Um, and Elvis was, you know, by and large, really about singles. And the idea that you have a singles market again, I think, is, is fantastic. But we've lost something in that transition. And that's the record. That's the LP where you, you know... We have a story. We have a yeah. narrative. Michael, the songs that are on there 
are all of them unreleased? I mean, we talk about Dutch imports, but to the regular listener, what what versions are there? Is this like the the tape of John all in, that he did in, in Bermuda, or is this stuff before or afterwards? What what demos are on there specifically? Uh, and have they ever been officially released, or were they heard on the Lost London tapes? Right. Well, the two Yoko demos that we have in their entirety, I don't think have ever been heard. Yeah, I don't think they have either. No. Kiss, 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 which is the demo she played for John while he was in Bermuda, and uh, Hard Times Are Over. So I think those are brand new for people, as I think Stepping Out is. Uh, other things, you know, like Beautiful Boy and A Woman and starting over and um, uh, watching the wheels. Well, we sort of have a mashup, like a mix of I'm losing you. So, you yeah. know, you've heard Stranger's Room, which is clearly a reference, and I, and I suspect written during the Lost Weekend or just after, you know, here in some Stranger's Room late in the afternoon. But it's not I'm losing you because I'm losing you happens when it can't get you on the telephone, which is a very specific moment in Bermuda. And he goes into an, his room and he's really angry he talks about it uh when he did the rko interview and the andy peebles interview yeah so what we did with those was try to give you some sense of how john wrote and what the emotional or the sort of chord progression just the songwriting you know to be in his head and hear him try to find watching the wheels and the Um, triggers too michael you you're showing the triggers that set him to you know so the, what I would say is that, you know, if you're a Lennon completist, you probably either it's YouTube or in the Lost Lennon tapes have heard this stuff, but you haven't had it in a place. But they haven't been on the John Lennon anthology or John Lennon acoustic right. Right. or anything like that. The Beautiful Boy demo that's in its entirety was released in 2010 as part of the big, big box set that I don't know how many of The us. stripped... No, Stripped Down is a different release. That no, that was the box set, the signature box. Oh, oh, oh. Signature and that had the demos exactly. as the, the one disc that was right. really for the collector. Right, right, exactly, right. exactly. And so that is only, you, and that's not available for download, those demos. So, you know, you can't go to iTunes and, and get oh, those songs that. individually. You, can, you only can do it if you buy the box set. So, you know, for a group of people now that don't, buy physical media as much as they used to. That's not been available for download before. And, and I'll say, you know, this is only available inside the app. And I think that was also something that Yoko was pleased with because she knew that, you know, it's hard to jailbreak an Apple app. And I think it's good. You know, you get it as an experience. It's all there for people. So you can put a cassette in and listen to it. You don't have to bop around to every different web page or whatnot and it's curated for you if you can stand my curation and (laughs) and it all goes to why hunger you know and that's the other thing which is that that everybody and and i say this too also of kate and keith and everybody at the b52s and you know universal and warner and cobalt publishing they were like oh it's you know it's for why hunger and and that organization's great you know everything everybody stepped up to the plate and donated so that everything would be able to go to that great organization well, Michael, really quickly, I mean, one other thing that you mentioned was a heart play. And if, if we could just quickly just fill in listeners about what that term obviously is directly connected to the double fantasy sessions. But you mentioned it in relation to the app. And if you could just connect the, that there for, for the fans. Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that, you know, I had, I'm 
old enough that I bought Double Fantasy when it came out. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, one of the, I think lost in all the digital. I don't know if you see it anymore, but on the LP, in the inner sleeve, it said Double Fantasy and underneath it, a heart play. And that always stuck in my mind that they thought of it as a call and response. And, and as we've talked about, when John got out of the 40 Thieves disco and he was all excited to have heard Rock Lobster, he called Yoko and, and he started writing again. And he would play a song for her over the phone and she would listen and then respond with her own song. And so we wanted to create something of that experience. And so, and there are a couple of pieces in the app that really were inspired by Yoko's art. The heart play by the 100 Acorns uh, work that she'd done recently, which I think is very minimalist and very, very beautiful. But also the garden, as I'm rambling here, but no, no. uh, when John took Sean to the botanical garden in Bermuda, as he said, for junk food and so he could get an espresso, uh, (laughs) he he was wandering around and and came upon a flower, a freesia, and there was a sign underneath it that said double fantasy. And that's where the title for the album came from. Uh, And, you know, I think in the David Sheff interview, they weren't quite so sure yet, but by the time he was out there promoting the album. It was as if it was always going to be that title. Right, right, um, right. But as John said, you know, it's it was the perfect title because it's real life, but it's a fantasy, which is just, I love that. Yeah, love that thought. It's beautiful. So in that garden, it's really, it's based upon Yoko's wish tree installation where, you know, you'd write a wish and hang it on this yeah. tree and the tree would have all these wishes on it. So in the app, Theo uh, and his team, Emily and his group, created this thing where you can speak into your phone or into your iPad and, and make a wish. You know, imagine something. Um, and the louder and the more Yoko-like you are, the more dynamic your flower is. And then you take a seed and you flick it, and it plants your flower in the botanical garden, the virtual botanical garden, I should say. And you could take a picture and get saved to your photo collection, but uh, which I think is a kind of fun, interactive piece. Yeah. And, and in the heart play section, you know, we there's a phone, and it rings and rings and rings like John's calling the Dakota. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it, it, so and it cool. looks like an old Bakelite phone that I got. Yeah, it sure does. Right? It's great. Um, that the, is unfortunately, great. couldn't get the iPad to be much heavier while that phone was up. <laughs> that was the goal. We were like, is there any way we could add some weight? Because those yes, things are heavy. Can we put some mass into the uh, right. device? Like, right. Uh, so it's for all those people that don't have a smartphone yet. That, uh, that, how that, great. That, that would be me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it just rings until you rush your finger across cross it and then it answers and, pick and, it up. and, and, oh, and you get going and 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 so then you hear how they just responded back and forth to each other you know she her he couldn't get her on the phone so he wrote i'm losing you so she's like oh i'm losing you okay fine how about you know i'm moving on buddy and then <laughs> you know uh and i think that that call and response and then he he's like oh well moving on well what wait wait what about I think it was starting over that he wrote in response to moving on. Wow. And, you know, when you listen to, to Double Fantasy, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the re-release that Jack and Yoko put oh, out yeah, a the couple stripped. years ago. Yeah. I think Stripped Down is yeah. it's just such a great release. It's, it's amongst my favorite Lennon releases now. But you can hear the progression of their marriage. You know, it's, 
he starts off starting over, but very quickly they're into the lost weekend, and then Sean is born, and then hard times are over. And, you know, it's a really, um, it's not a, an album that when I was a teenager and I bought it, I cared much for. We didn't get it. I didn't it's, get I'm it. exactly in the same you boat had, that you yeah. are, Michael. You had to be older, and when you, yep. and you know, right. I, I was 18 when it came out, and now, you know, having a wife and kids, exactly. now you understand yeah, now you where he was it. coming from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you didn't then. You just thought it was oh, kind of mushy Lennon. He's not rock and but roll anymore. But you expected anymore. rock and roll yeah. after yeah. five years, especially yeah. since his last album was called Rock and Roll. But right. you still, you know, most people don't give him credit. You still get rock and roll. I'm losing you. I'm moving on. Clean and up time. Clean up time. They're all rock and roll. Oh yeah, and but I'm losing you. Was originally was much harder too. Yes. You know. Yeah. But you're not I'm always getting. Forgive song. me, my little flower oh, yeah. princess. You know, right. You're yeah. getting hard rock there. Well, well right. rock and roll. But go ahead. I so. think also, you know, one of the things that I think about that album is that it's far more radical than it was given credit for. That there were not a lot of house husbands in 1980. Very no. true. And, you know, th- this is a guy who didn't just talk, but lived what he believed. And he, uh, I don't know about you guys, but he was very, became very much a model for me. You know, there weren't a lot of men. Uh, in the 70s, who, in pop culture, who changed diapers and, and took care of their kids Not at all. and made bread. And, you know, if John Lennon does it, well, okay, that's pretty cool. That's safe. That's, you know, something to aspire to. And, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, we all think about John in terms of obviously the Beatles and in terms of the peace movement. But I think of John also and Yoko uh, very much, their relationship very much in the sense of feminism and, and, and gender equality. I think that that's one of his unspoken legacies. And I look at Double Fantasy very much as a radical album in that way, you know, putting himself down way before uh, anybody else would. This week in the TV Guide, I don't know if you've seen it, there's a thing on well, top 60 talk show appearances. And you know what they called John and Yoko? They called them anarchists. <laughs> and I'm like, anarchists? Did they, were they talking about the overthrowing the U.S. government? How funny. No, they were talking about peace. Yeah. And I'm ready to write a letter to TV Guide saying, maybe you should get someone who knows about the Beatles to yeah. write about them. Well, but, you know, they're trying to overthrow the old social order, you yes. know, yeah. and one that said... But they weren't anarchists, though. They were not anarchists. No, no. I mean, they, they need a better dictionary yeah. than anything else. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> but you know what, Michael? I, I I want people to go to uh, the website, LennonBermudaTapes.com. Uh, I did. Please. I still want to ask uh, real quick, is there a chance that it'll be a, an Android thing at all? If we can get a lot of sales going here, yeah, I think so. Now, what's an I Android mean, thing for someone who doesn't know what you're talking oh, it's, about? It's not an iPhone. Oh, it's, it's only available for iPhone. Smart, yeah, so there's no other, uh, any other smartphone is considered Android other than iPhone, so, right. so like well, if, Windows too, I guess for yeah. the five people that have those. So what? What the reason? Just so people know, the logic was we had Andrew was very generous, but still much of the work was done pro bono or at least at dramatically reduced rates right. to get this thing as exciting and just put every ounce uh, that we had into it. But even then, it would have been too hard for all of the different screen sizes in the Android market. You know, they're just all these different phones, each with a different size, and you want to optimize it. It's much harder to program for the Android marketplace. It isn't standardized like the Apple world is. Mm. And people, 
still in, in the Android market tend to spend less on apps. You know, it's much more of an advertising free app model. And in the iPad world, people still buy apps. Not as much, but they still do. And we just didn't want this to be a free app where, you know, maybe you would go and donate. We wanted people to feel like they were buying an album and knowing that when they bought the album, it was, you know, it wasn't Lenono Music that was going to make the donate. It's Why Hunger that owns the app outright and all the pros, all the net proceeds, I should right. say, because Apple still, you know. Yeah. They're, they're cash poor. And when you say Apple, it's not the Beatles Apple. It <laughs> is Apple, Apple Computer. We should. Right. There is yeah, a difference. Not Apple Core, right. It's Apple yeah. Computer. Exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I think if we can, you know, we're, we're off to a nice start. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback today. People Magazine, uh, or at least People.com, gave us a nice write-up. And, you know, but I still think people don't know about it yet. There, we don't have, like, the kind of sense that there's a new release out there and hopefully you know we'll get we'll get the sales that will allow us to port everything over to the android um, well we will definitely be uh, but be we're not pushing. quite there yet we will be pushing this uh, as a matter of fact today i'll be putting it on the facebook page again and telling that we had spoken to you and to watch for the listen for the episode i think the more people really hear about it the more excited they'll be uh you know you can talk about an app uh, you know, or at least you can on paper, you can see that there's an app coming out, and like you said, you know, it's, it's just there. But when you actually hear about what it's about, I think people will really get excited and want to go here. So we will be pushing it. I we, have so. We're we, grateful. We, we, and we appreciate grateful. it. We really do appreciate well, your your work and involvement, I mean, in, in general, I mean, with the Lennon NYC and now this. Uh, and Why Hunger is an incredible organization. Uh, again, that's whyhunger.org. Google it if you if you want to get the URL, but uh, that's a, a really fantastic organization. And I should say also that there's uh, an affiliation with the Hard Rock Cafe as well. Uh, yeah, in terms imagine of that. there's no hunger campaign is Yoko, Hard Rock International, uh, all working with Why Hunger and, and and the great team there. As you mentioned, Bill, but uh, his remarkable team. Um, yeah. Noreen Springstead and Allison Cohen and Debbie Grunbaum and and Sue Leventhal. I mean. Really, really dedicated people who care a great deal about solving poverty and hunger at its root, root cause, finding sustainable ways to get people good, nutritious food. So it's not just, here's a meal. You know, it's, it's literally the old ad of to teach a man to fish, teach a right. person to fish, and, and, yeah. and they'll be able to eat. Um, it's a great, great organization. And, and as a bonus... You got this amazing interactive John Lennon album for your iPad well, and phone. Well, one thing about this, and now, now that we've done the show, because I didn't know as much as I know now, this really should be thought of as the next John Lennon release. Yeah. Just as, but just in a an app format instead of you know on a CD or a DVD. And actually, just as a suggestion, it should maybe be thought of that as the way to sell it because yeah. you, you have songs on here or versions of songs we've never heard before. Uh, you have pictures we've never seen before, and I think it should be noted that this is a major John Lennon release. You bet. You know, that's and, and, and that's, that's why I'm here, man. Well, that's, I know that. <laughs> but totally I, we it. appreciate that. But <laughs> it, to me, when I hear app, sometimes exactly. you think of it as right. not as a well, complete like, thing. Yes. Yeah. You know? No, you're going to like take John's head and like you know spin it, and it's going to knock a bunch of 
bowling pins down. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, right. right. But this right. is this is a like you said, it's a journey from start to finish. Well, yeah. you know, I really do think if I have a vision for this and, and long term, is that once upon a time you had LPs, long playing. And then you had CDs, compact discs. I would really love to see a future where you have IAs, interactive albums. Cool. And where you could go into an independent record store or into a Best Buy or wherever it is, and there's a box that doesn't have any music in it. But imagine if you bought the box and it had a hard paper copy of John's lyric sheets or little pictures that you had physically, and in it was a card with a code that you could download the app. Yeah, That's, to me, a very exciting future, where the music industry is back to selling stuff again, not yep. just streaming. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I personally, I mean, I, I know I, the minute a Revolver interactive album came out, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I would, it would be like Black Friday for oh, me. I'd be there at the <laughs> store. Don't, don't even mention that. We'll, st- we'll start drooling right now. <laughs> right. You know? I, I was going to say, when's the, when's the Ziggy Stardust app yeah. going to come out? <laughs> right. Right. And even for contemporary folks. You know, I mean, the Radiohead fans, and I think sure. there's a lot of... You oh, know, we don't care about them. Oh, yeah. please. Screw them. No, no. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't really imagine a, uh, an interactive album for Miley Cyrus and her twerking. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, it, honestly, all kidding aside, I, I think know. for some artists like that, you know, the singles download and the streaming is fine. I think that it's just not necessarily every everybody, but there are some contemporary artists who I love who feel right. very much in this, you know, Jake Bug. I don't know if you guys have heard him at all, but, no. you know, he feels he feels like early Beatles to me and Dylan wow. and he's great. He's really wow. worth finding. Okay. And there's a contemporary guy who was, he's, he was a number one hit in the UK this year. Uh-huh. Um, he'd be perfect or go back into any of the legacy artists that we all love. Yeah. Well, Definitely. So we'll see. Definitely. Who knows? Right, well, we, we have to get really, this one first. Yes, so. please. People go out and get this app. Uh, Michael, we really appreciate the time you spent with us. Uh, we are going to, uh, be promoting like crazy, and we really appreciate you for everything you've been doing. Uh, people, if you haven't seen Lennon NYC, go get that too because it's brilliant. Absolutely. So, uh, for oh, you guys. Fab Four Free For All, this has been your moderator, Mitch Axelrod, and Tony Chicardo. Hi, folks. And Rob Leonard. Goodbye. Take care. And Michael Epstein, we really do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks very much, guys. Thank take you, care, Michael. Michael. You take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.